Welcome to episode 16 of the Combative Connect podcast with my special guest today, a fellow Combative Connect, Mr. Randy King of Randy King Live and several other uh, awesome podcasts as well as Patreon, et cetera, et cetera. So we're going to get into that. And uh, I'm especially excited to talk to Randy today uh, because of his attachment to one of my personal heroes in the self-defense world, Mr. Rory Miller and the Violence Dynamics crew. I don't want to steal all that thunder. Let's uh, get Randy to talk about that. So without further ado, welcome, Mr. Randy King. Randy, thank you so much for coming on today. Oh, thanks for having me. Uh, like I, I mentioned in the email, like being on the Combat Canuck podcast had to happen. What a great name for a podcast. Like you're <laughs> killing it. That's so good. I was, um, I, I did my first, I did a Krav Maga instructor course in Philadelphia in 2005. And um, we all gathered at the kind of main organizer's house. His name is Ernie Kirk. We went over to his house and it was when George St. Pierre, it was a UFC night, Saturday night. Cool. And, and George St. Pierre was, uh, was fighting Jason Miller. And uh, I was the only Canadian down at that course, right? So they gave me the nickname <laughs> Canuck, and they kind of used it as kind of a, you know, you kind of goad your little brother a little bit with like a half-mocking, half-respectful kind of nickname. And so they just kept calling me Canuck, Canuck, Canuck. And when I was thinking of a name for the podcast, I thought, well, why, why not go with that? <laughs> I don't know if it's if you're like I am, but honestly, like there's no slur or joke <laughs> or, or shorthand that would make me feel bad about living in this awesome country. Like, oh, no. Canuck really got me there. Er. Yeah, yeah. You're so polite. How dare you? <laughs> so, uh, Randy, uh, for, for the audience that, that isn't aware of who you are, what you do, and all that jazz, uh, can you kind of give us a, a little intro to you and your background and what it is you do? Sure. Yeah, I am a, I'm a self-defense instructor, reality-based, uh, evidence-based, every whatever metronome is going out right now uh, for the marketing. But I'm a Reality-based self-defense instructor. I've been doing it for 10 years. I opened a gym here in Edmonton called KPC Self-Defense. That is the brick and mortar structure that I started. And then from that, I brought in a bunch of talented human beings for my students and eventually became a touring, well, I was before COVID-19. I was at one point a touring instructor and I've taught in, I think, 10 countries now. Um, and I, I focus primarily on soft skills. So hmm. de-escalation, boundary setting, pre-attack indicators, all that kind of stuff that uh, is, I think, not talked about enough in the industry. And when I say the industry, I mean the martial arts industry in general. Like, maybe it sounds like that people talk about this at nauseum to people who listen to your show because you're bringing up people that do this, mm. but it is still by far the least taught part of self-defense. So as you mentioned, I'm part of a couple crews. So I got KPC Self-Defense here. Randy King Live is my speaking platform where I do uh, seminars, uh, corporate gigs, all that kind of other stuff that you got to do to make a living in this. And then I work with the Violence Dynamics team, which is was uh, put together by a guy named Casey Keckheisen. But the major player in there is Rory Miller, the legend Rory Miller. Um, and I was very lucky, actually. I met Rory in 2011. And uh, I met him and I'm, I'm not for everybody. I'm pretty high energy. And like, if you think, if you've met other people like me, you kind of, some people assume I'm like a greasy salesperson until they meet me and realize that I'm actually a really nice guy. And this is all just, unfortunately, how my brain is wired. I don't have an option. Um, when I had my fire, the investigator actually told me straight up, he's like, normally people like you, when they act like you are fucking lying. And I'm sorry, I'm not to swear on the show. I should probably ask that first. Yeah, you get anything's fine. Okay. Just, uh, just don't uh, do any meat spin and you're good. 
Got it. So he was like, he's like, normally people uh, are lying. He's like, but luckily I watched all of your podcasts because they did an investigation. And he's like, you're just always like that. I'm like, oh, thank God I had a public presence because this guy thought I was a liar. So anyways, met Rory Miller, um, brought him to Edmonton a couple of times, ran a 40-hour course with him. And he took me under his wing is the best way to say it, right? So he's helped me in every aspect of my career. He's a phenomenal human being. And I'm having drinks with him via Skype after this conversation. So pretty cool. Please, uh, please send my regards to Rory. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you a story about Rory. Always. Good. That rhyme, story about Rory. You know it's going to be good <laughs> when it rhymes. Uh, so back uh, when I started my own business in, uh, see, we'll go back to 2008 now. Uh, I was kind of, I was still in the Krav Maga camp, and then I rebranded to my own thing, and that was in 2010, late 20, 2009-2010. And I created a DVD. And uh, back then I knew like Rory Miller was one of the guys, right? One of the respected guys, a respected author. So one of my tactics was to send copies of the DVD pre-launch out to a bunch of respected people to try and get their input and get those little like sound bites and stuff to say, this is a great DVD, learn how to sew, whatever. And, uh, so mine's, mine's in the mail then, right? I should wait for that. I did, <laughs> yeah, got lost. Right, Obviously right. got lost. Obviously. No, keep going. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, back in the day and then uh, what was really interesting is Rory got back to me and he said, Hey man, look. Uh, I love, he said, I love the way you think, you know, I think you're a great guy and everything. I just can't endorse this. And I'm like, Oh, like it, it was like a dagger to the heart, you know? And I'm like, okay, he can't endorse this. And he, and he explained a little bit why that uh, back in the day, it was kind of more fighting oriented. The way I was training was, you know, you stand at that typical, you know, fighting distance. It's all the, you know, not dealing with like, the criminal ambush, the asymmetrical violence, et cetera, et cetera. You got to say something. I am. What was the name of your DVD? Uh, it was just called Hybrid Fighting Method, which was the, t- the name of the style, and then The Unfair Advantage, right? Oh, my God. So, I've heard this story from Rory, but I didn't know it was you. That's me. It's this guy. All right. So, awesome. was it like was it like you were kind of in the bouncing situation? You were kind of using Thai boxing-esque techniques to... Yeah. Yeah. So, I, uh, <laughs> I, came, up, I, came, up, <laughs> I came up to Krav Maga, right. and, uh, and uh, when I rebranded to Hybrid Fighting Method, I thought, okay... You know, one of the things I can do is get my name out there, is get that DVD out there. And uh, it, it hurt a little bit when Rory said, and he was super nice about it, but he said, I, I can't endorse this. And then uh, my, ego, my ego took a little bit of a beating there, but I, I didn't hold it against him. I'm like, okay, well, you know, on I go. I got, a, you know, I got this DVD. I got to market it anyways. Yeah. But it was shortly thereafter, Rory was actually coming up to London, Ontario, which was only like a two, two and a half hour drive for me and said, Hey, I'm coming to do a seminar. I'd be, you know, I love it if you just came as my guest to train. And I'm like, Rory Miller's coming. He invited me to come as a guest to training. I'd be a fucking idiot to pass that up. So I drove out, trained with him. I really got my eyes opened as to the realities of violence, and uh, it, that really, that really, uh, you know, kind of set the stages for me and started to turn the tides of how I taught, of the content I taught. Yeah. And I was just really, really impressed with uh, the way he went about it. You know, he he cared enough to be honest with me. He cared enough to tell me what he thought I was doing wasn't necessarily wrong. He said, look, if I was your age or back in the day, I'd be doing the same thing, but that's just not what I can recommend now. Right. And I just really appreciate the time and the energy and the effort he took to kind of set me on straight and narrow. And uh, so I just, I have just nothing but fond memories for Rory and, and everything I teach now, like, uh, you know, with, uh, if we can get into it later on about like crash, smash, dash, and using the Trinity block as kind of an ambush response uh, mechanism. Uh, you know, Rory talks about those different, uh, those, those different like uh, flinch reactions, I guess, those guards yeah. or whatever. Sure. And uh, 
I already had this, and so I kind of I kind of took it from there and, and and ran with it. But it was it was really Rory that started that whole ball rolling, you know. So I just really really appreciate that. What, what did he say? <laughs> Pardon? He's so, he's what did he say? <laughs> he's, oh, he's, oh, what he said was just literally exactly what you said on the other side. So he mentioned it because there seems to be a lot of uh, Canadian self-defense instructors out there recently. Like a lot of people are doing self-defense that are from Canada. And Rory's like, is it dangerous up there? Why are so many instructors coming <laughs> out? And he mentioned, because obviously I'm Canadian. And so he yeah. mentioned like, oh, there's a guy from Canada. Have you heard of this guy? He said your name, but it was like probably six years ago. So or yeah. whatever you released, I don't remember. But uh, I'm like, no, I don't know who that is. Um, and he was like, yeah, cool. He sent me this DVD. I wanted to support it, but obviously I couldn't cause it was like this very bouncer ask, very like whatever. And it wasn't just, wasn't what I could do. I'm like, oh yeah, cool. But it was funny cause I obviously didn't know the connection between the two. <laughs> he's, he's genuine. And my story, like I said, is tied to Rory's, um, so deeply that I don't mind. I love talking about him so much, but he, that's who he is, right? He's very, this is why I say I'm lucky. I'm lucky, but also being under Rory's wing is painful to the old ego, right? It's uh, very humbling because the way he thinks and the way he articulates and what his goal structure is, is so fleshed out in such a way that if you're even 80% sure, he's going to rock that 20%. Hard. <laughs> so it's a, it's a great way to, and honestly, like the old adage, right? If you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. That's mm-hmm. been my entire career. I'm very lucky. Like I have, some modicum of success now. I'm decently known. My name is out there. Uh, but it's only because iron sharpens iron. I get to hang out with Tammy McCracken, Casey Kekheisen, Rory Miller, Terry Trahan, all these like legends in the field who can sharpen my view to make me better, right? So it's, it's like anything, right? Humans don't work well alone. We're better in teams. Mm-hmm. I have a very cool team that I get to play with and it's made me Hopefully it's working out, but it's made me think of things differently and really change my structure. Like you said, right? Mm. When Rory talks to you, it tends to pivot. When I first started bouncing, I was very bro up. I'm a big guy. I'm not small. Like I'm fat, but I'm also big and tall, right? So, I'm, but I'm not weak in any way. And most of the way I taught originally was like, well, I would do this. So you should do this. And then, right. you know, you work with a 90 pound human and they're like, well, I don't know if I can do that. The, obviously the the bro in me was like, well, yeah, you can, anybody can. If I can achieve this, you can achieve this, blah, 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 and all that like nonsensical stuff, not really teaching reality-based. So that's why I still use reality-based, even though it's such a kitschy marketing term now. But why I use it is it's your reality, right? You have to deal with your reality, your injuries, your body structure, your background, your trauma, your training. That's all you. I can only help so much, but it's going to be you there. And if I was there to coach you. I would be there to help you as well. So you're doing this kind of on your own. Yeah. You mentioned rocking that, <clears throat> that 20% that he does. You know, I, I think he's like an expert pruner, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and, I like uh, that. And, and pruning a tree, like when you, when you think about pruning a tree, what you're actually doing is you're cutting branches off. You're cutting things off that are not productive. And at the end of the day, it's for the health of the tree to produce yeah. more fruit and to be healthier and more uh, robust. But the process of that pruning it's painful yeah. for the tree, right? Yeah. So you, you have to be a person that's able to lean into that discomfort to kind of embrace the suck, so to speak, yeah. uh, and, and just trust that you're going to come out on the other side okay. So I, I can really appreciate that uh, about Rory. And anyways, I just have eternal gratitude for him. So that's I don't want to suck his dick too much, but I but, uh, just really, really appreciate him. And uh, just anyways, you're having a drink with him later. Please send him a hello. I definitely will. I definitely will. You, uh, you said something that was really interesting back when you were talking about the fire investigation that they said normally when guys are like you, yeah. they're fucking guilty as hell, they're lying. Yeah. Yeah. And I noticed uh, 
I thought about this too when I've encountered people that are guilty in various ways. So I'll use one example. Uh, I used to work for the YMCA. We teach uh, three to five-year-olds. Like, uh, they had this, uh, what was it called? Kinder Club and Kinder Gym, the two kind of programs. So cool. uh, one of the ladies I worked with, uh, uh, I'll, I won't say her actual name. I don't want to out her, but we'll call her Patricia. That's not a real name. Got it. And uh, so I work with Patricia. And she's such a sweetheart. And we all had this kind of uh, kitchen, or not kitchen, Christmas gathering for everybody. So we all had to get together at this uh, venue space. We had a whole uh, Christmas thing for all the YMCA. And you bring your families and your uh, spouses and stuff. And her husband came. And he was like such a cool guy. He was so right. nice. He was blowing smoke out my ass all night. Oh, you're this, you're that, you're cool, you're this. Really trying to ingratiate himself. And yeah. something about that was a little off. And uh, it came out later that he was actually, he, he was abusing, physically abusing her on the, on the regular, right? Yeah. And I found from that experience, a couple of experiences, and then doing kind of online study of this kind of thing, I find that guys that are, whether they're, uh, pedophiles, whether like sexual offenders, yep. whether they're spousal abusers and stuff like that, they really do try to ingratiate themselves to you. Do you find that as a pattern? Yeah, 100%. So mm. the word grooming gets thrown around a lot. Ah. I do a seminar called Realities of Violence. That's like my brand right now. And uh, I've been doing a bunch of free ones for gyms, all literally all across the world, trying to stay relevant. God, I gotta be relevant. So I'm doing all, <laughs> these, all these seminars for free around the world to help people out like Transitioning to online was hard for a lot of people, especially for more of an old school mentality. You never would have went online. Um, so I'm trying to help people out, give them a break. I'm a little online savvy. I have a studio set up in my apartment, blah, blah, blah. And in the discussion, so it's a predatory deep dive I've been teaching for 20, I did 20 of them. So on all of them, we talk about predatory violence and grooming behavior. Predators don't just groom the victim, they groom them social circle and mm. they groom the social circle around themselves right? right so if i'm a predator and the parameters of being so going kind of like just surface level on this um and i'm not sure where this originally started this quote that i'm using it's not mine but it works really really well which is predators want one of three things your property your body or your life mm. and they have parameters though right their parameters are don't get hurt don't get caught be able to do this again so if I am a predator and I'm grooming a victim and you have to look at the numbers, the actual numbers when it comes to grooming and predatory victimization, only 30% of this is stranger danger. The other 70% is a predator or attacker known to victim, right? So there's some kind of relationship. Yeah. Predators go to where the prey is. So they're going to find whatever watering hole they can. So if you are a pedophile, as you mentioned earlier, then you might try to get a job where you have access to children, right? That's a YMCA, just, for example. Pardon? YMCA, for example. Yeah. YMCA, and this is where you hear it all the time, like scoutmasters and religious circles. And I'm not saying any of those organizations are bad, but if you're a predator looking for unfettered access to whatever target you're looking for, that's a great route to take. So the organization isn't bad unless they're hiding it. Uh, it isn't bad. It's only just that's what's going to happen. So grooming isn't just grooming the victim while that's a major part of the selection process because when you're looking at that icky 70% of predatory violence, like the icky, like grandpa might be bad. Like there's, it's uncomfortable to talk about and lots of instructors don't want to talk about it at all, which means I have to talk about it all of the time because we need people to know this. Um, the grandpa, if he, let's say grandpa is the bad guy, he's going to pick whatever child he finds has the weakest boundaries, won't rat him out, has the best relationship. He's going to be testing boundaries, testing what they reinforce, seeing what they're capable of doing, looking at the scene, esteem confidence, but also grandpa needs everybody else to love him right. just in case the kid does speak out because there's a strategy to this, right? If 
the first time you come out to somebody and the response is you're a liar, very right. hard to come out a second time, right? Yeah. So kid is like, I got to tell people about grandpa. They go to grandpa, they go to their brother or their sister, whoever they're closest to. And they're like, what are you talking about? Quit lying. Grandpa's been nothing but nice to me my whole life. He would never do something like that. Then those people shut up and the predator gets to keep predating. Mm. So I agree hundred percent with what you're saying. It's, there is a benefit to being ingratiated to people because you found out later this person was bad and you also work in the industry. So you might not be as wool over your eyes as some people, but I bet if it came out, some people like, no, I'm not him. He helped me move that guy. He would be on my phone anytime I needed, but that's a strategy in order for them to predate more effectively. Um, I was talking uh, and I think you've met Kelly Sarah before. Yes. Or talked to her at least. I have actually met Kelly. She came to one of the violence dynamics. I know Kelly. Awesome. So she was on before, and we were talking about how to have that 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 talk with uh, your kids, like how to prepare them for uh, the awkward conversation, or how to prepare them with uh, you know some t- like like seventy percent. Like it's yeah. Because I, I was having the conversation with my my uh, son uh, at the table and saying that uh, he was talking about telling a secret to uh, his teacher and his principal that we have a baby coming along, a baby boy, and uh, he knows we haven't we haven't told anyone the name, but we told him the name, and he said. Uh, I told two trustworthy people, only two trustworthy people, and I stopped him, and I don't give a shit that he told them the name. I just said, how do you know that they're trustworthy? Yeah. And uh, he said, because they're, well, because they're adults, and they're my teacher. I'm like, well, buddy, just because that's who they are doesn't mean they're trustworthy. So this is something you teach. How, how does uh, a parent prepare their kids for the potentiality for family or friends or close, close people in the circle, uh, you know, trying to cause them harm in one way, shape, or form, uh, one, one shape for, I can't even talk to this. Is fucking retarded. I know what you mean. <laughs> I, I, I'm picking up what you're putting down. All right. Yeah. So how do you prepare your kids? How do you have that talk? So I don't, I don't teach kids. So number one, I want to preface that. I don't work with children for the purpose of, I like hanging out with kids. I think kids are cool. And if I made them my job, I would hate talking to them when I see them. <laughs> so I like teaching children, even at our gym here, somebody else runs a kid's program. Um, I have a daughter though. She's 11. And the second you have a daughter, especially if you're reading the books that I read and read the studies I read, you're like, Oh, we need to prep something here just because, and I'm not saying that women are more selected than men. It could be the stats are skewed, but at the time you have a daughter and unfortunately the male ego in me goes, how do I protect this person without overbearing this person? Right? Mm-hmm. Cause I never wanted to be the dad that was like at the door with the shotgun, like what time you bringing her home? Only because when I was a shit kid, I loved banging the daughters of those dads because they wouldn't say anything and it gave me a feeling of power. Mm. So I know that's an ineffective method, right? Trying to scare whoever your child has selected to have intercourse with, trying to scare them might just get them doing the intercourse faster as a rebellion cycle. So I, um, when I have these conversations, for me, what I said to my daughter, and this is a one-time sample, is you don't, and the really weird thing, if we're talking, let's say specifically about molestation on children, most of the problems that occur from this situation occur actually after the, molest, after the molestation has stopped. Mm. It's not during the molestation. This is a weird thing to understand. It's a little icky, but we're in icky territories. So let's talk about it. So stimulation of sexual organs feels good to everybody any age. Right. Right. Simple as that. So if you're playing, I'm going to keep picking on grandpa. Um, I don't have a, my grandfather was amazing. This isn't like a subconscious thing, but let's say grandpa is having special time with one of the children he and he picked, he selected. 
um, during the time, they actually feel special because only grandpa only does this with me and this mm. feels good and this is our special game. It's actually when the victim grows out of being in the attractive phase that they start to get messed up because all of a sudden they don't know why they're no longer special. They don't right. know why grandpa doesn't like them anymore. They don't know what's happening. And that tends to be where the, the chaos happens because the kids don't know any different. If, if your grandfather tells you this is what we do with the kids and that's what you do with the kids, that's why we have so many effed up adults right now, right? Is when you teach a kid something, the first information they get is the information they hold and then you have to beat that like Santa, right? Like right, right. Santa exists, it takes eight other kids to be like, there's no Santa, your parents are lying. For them to be like, are my parents maybe lying? There's not eight people asking if grandpa's doing bad things to you. That's right. So, Number one, the problem comes after, the, after it stops, usually, not always. Um, so for me, with knowing that, I told my daughter the only rule I have with her, well, not only rule, but the rule I have with this conversation is anytime my daughter learns a new game from an adult, she needs to tell me what the rules of the game are and what happens during the game. Mm. Because also, you don't want to be like... I also didn't want to be the parent who went off the handle and then if something bad happened, they wouldn't tell me, right? So right. example, I had a client who was uh, very viciously, very viciously raped. Um, then she came to us after the fact. And I'm like, okay, so how'd your family react? There's all these like social structures. She's like, well, we didn't tell my dad because my dad would go crazy and go to jail so we can never tell him. And I'm like, ooh, I don't want that either. Maybe I don't right. want to know, but I don't want to be... I don't want my daughter, if she does get victimized, her first thought to be my reaction to her horrible day. That's mm. a really toxic kind of fucked up situation to me. So I told her, like, adults are going to want to play games with you. You know, that's what's going to happen. We're going to teach you games, et cetera. Every game you learn, you got to teach dad. Right? And then she's like, okay, cool. And I'm like, and if any adult ever says you're not allowed to teach dad the game, don't play that game. Mm. That's a good way of putting it. And it makes it a non-threatening kind of non-scary way too, I think. Right, because you don't want to be like, okay, four-year-old, here's how it works. Old men want to touch you in the pants. Like, what the, what's happening? <laughs> like, <laughs> walk it out. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, I, I think it's, the it's a challenge that I face. And I, yeah. you know, I have a daughter too. She's, she's not even two yet. Right. And uh, I, you know, and I mean, call me whatever you will, but I, I feel differently about my daughter than I do about my son that's about yeah. to be born or my stepson that's eight now. And I just, because she's a daughter and she was born small, she's like super tiny and, it's just like I feel so protective, and, and uh, I can see the tendency to want to be like, oh, like mm. be, be, your, be a silverback or, you know, the big lion or whatever, the alpha guy with a shotgun at the door. But you don't want to do that because you don't want to drive a wedge between you and them. Absolutely. Exactly. Yeah, that's, that's been my biggest concern. I've been, me and my daughter were super connected right from birth. She, uh, when she was born, she had fluid in her lungs like every baby does, but I'm not a quiet person. And I used to talk to the, my ex-wife's stomach, like, hey, little baby, how's it going? And the first second she heard my voice, she started looking around and stopped crying to the point that they actually had to kick me out of the room because she wasn't getting the fluid out of her lungs. She right. heard my voice, she'd cry. So ever since, she wouldn't cry, sorry. So ever since that moment, it's always been like, what, don't create a wedge, but also give her safety. Don't make her super paranoid, but please make her aware. And how do you do this healthily? And the industry doesn't do it very healthily, mm. even in most of their marketing. It's very fear-based and very... Like, if you don't take this course, you will die. And if you do get picked by a victim, you didn't take a course, it's kind of your fault because this was available to you. I'm like, whoa, this is a little intense for me. Um, so I try and take a different route. And like, yeah, I just think 
you need to understand what's normal to understand what's abnormal. It's our mm -hmm. job to teach our kids what normal looks like and what is acceptable. And then they can make the decisions. Cause you're never, you're unfortunately, and God willing, nothing ever happens to either one of our children. Right. right but if something does happen, you're not going to be there. Cause if you wore that thing probably wouldn't have happened. So okay. we have to give them the skills you being, or me being the scary dad, doesn't matter because the scary I am as a dad, the more if the person has nefarious means will take them away from us, build, draw a wedge themselves, take them to isolated places. So as much as being a tough guy is effective, like in the movies, it's not effective in real life. Yeah, more, of, more often than not, I mean, uh, I was talking about this on the, on the uh, a couple of podcasts ago actually with, um, with Grant Ellsworth. <clears throat> um, oh, Grant, I know Grant, yeah. I like it. He said that uh, we are talking about uh, predators and you know, in the odd case, you know, I was talking about that uh, Instagram account, Nature is Metal, which uh, I freaking love. <laughs> but uh, it was an it was a, it was a post where, like, all these lionesses were kind of j jumping together on a giraffe or an elephant. I think it was a giraffe. But they took down this huge – they're trying to take down this huge game that kind of shook them off. And it wasn't their typical go-to. You know, normally <clears throat> the predators don't go for the thing that's huge and big and challenging. They right. go for the one that's isolated, that's sick, that's small, that's, you know, that's alone. And, uh, yeah, I mean, you can be the, the tough guy with a shotgun and intimidating all you want, but you're not always going to be there, and that's when they're most vulnerable. Right, and if you look at that even from, like, a social violence side, so we're talking mostly about asocial, kind of antisocial stuff, but uh, I was a bouncer for a very long time, 11 years of my life, and, like, full-time head of security. I owned a security company. I did close protection. So this isn't like I worked the weekend, every weekend for college. Like, my full-time career was making sure, telling drunk people no. And – when you look at this, like with the, the giraffe example, the numbers gave, made that victim weaker. They knew they had the numbers in that situation, right? But also, the stronger the armor, the more, the more quickly they develop armor-piercing bullets, right? So ah. escalation happens a lot. So for me, in my experience, when I first started bouncing, I sucked. I was not good at all. My Taekwondo black belt did not help. Um, I didn't have any situational awareness, even though I grew up in a really interesting part of Edmonton and Edmonton's got a reputation. Um, I, uh, I had a bunch of like, I was a big guy. I was friendly. Right. But when I first started bouncing, I sucked, but then I started getting better. Right. Cause I wouldn't quit and I kept going and I started winning fights like consistently and beating up drunk people is not hard. That's not, I'm, this isn't my hero story. I'm just saying eventually I was so good or I got to a level where a drunk guy couldn't beat me up. Oh, wow. So anyways, I got to a level where I was kicking people out and I was able to deal with the situations that were happening in the crazy environment that I was in. So what happened was the frequency of violence against me lowered, mm. but the level that I encountered when it did happen was always higher. Mm. So yeah. I started getting a rep on, in White Ave, and White Ave is like our bar, arts district, college area here. And you used to live here. So yeah. in Edmonton's for the listeners, it's like our artsy college bar area. Um, it's, like the Queen, it's like the Queen Street in Toronto for the local listeners. Exactly. Yeah, it's like yeah. Queen Street in Toronto. Exactly. So I was bouncing there and word started spreading like, oh, if Randy's working, don't get in a fight. And that was good most of the time. But now some people are like, who's this Randy motherfucker, right? I'm going to go <laughs> test this guy. And now, yeah. so now it's no longer, I'm no longer scaring away the little scavengers. Now there's other lions coming to fight me. And I'm like, yeah. holy crap, that's a big lion, right? So <laughs> while, while the tough guy modality makes sense, if, you, if you're looking at violence in a real situation, and, I'm like, and I, I don't want to ostracize some of your listeners here, but the truth only hurts when it should. If your entire Facebook profile is how tough you are and somebody does select you, guess what? First move, make sure you can't use all that toughness against them. 
Mm. So ambush, drug, come at you in a different manner. There's just, we look at violence in, this, in a very caveman way, but we live in this world of open source information gathering. We live in this world of like, you wear your logo and so people know you're tough. And yeah, sure, that scares the way the hyenas, but it attracts the lions. And that's mm. kind of an issue. So I'm wearing a Rick and Morty shirt right now. That <laughs> old dad. The fat's not on purpose. It's not a strategy. But everything else is, right? So- like, I don't have the haircut and the whatever. And I don't blur my picture out in video. And like, I just, I'm a dude who runs a company who did some stuff when he was younger. And now I just want to teach, right? And the level of violence I've experienced now is little to none. Even when people like look me up, they're like, oh, that's the chubby guy with dimples. He seems fine, right? Nobody's, <laughs> nobody's getting a rep on me right now. And that's the best self-defense advice I have for former tough guys, right? Is chill out. That's that. Uh, that's that gray man philosophy, right? That. Uh, that yeah. Kind of, I mean, we want to. We want to be like gray man. Is you wear the cool BDUs and you got your right. cool sunglasses and the Oakley shades and the five eleven tactical pants and you're wearing your fucking. Every gray man absolutely has to have a paracord bracelet. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> but it's. Uh, but really, gray man is blending in and looking innocuous. You want yes. someone to look at you and be like, meh, and then on to the next. It's exactly. It and I agree 100%. And that's the thing, right? Like, that's what gray man meant. And then the people who didn't understand it became physically gray people in gray clothing, which was insane. <laughs> yeah. The concept of gray man and blending in makes a lot of sense. The acting out of what some people have done with it in the tactical department is like any other good idea uh, done ineffectively. It's a little bit like religion sometimes, like the message yeah. makes sense, but the churches aren't so great sometimes, right? So <laughs> it's in this exact same situation. Like, yes. Blend in. It makes sense. Like I look like every classic dad you'd ever see. Um, I am still training uh, and I am trying to shred it down, but nobody's, nobody's gaining any rep off me anymore. And even like to the point for me, I'm so sick of the conversation because again, a little bit of notoriety that I have. Um, and one, so one Google search at a party, if I'm like, Oh, I run a gym, they can look it up. And then they see all the, this the podcast, whatever. Right. Uh, I just tell people I'm in sales. I don't even tell them what I do 90% of the time anymore. I was uh, uh, a couple of podcasts ago. I haven't published it yet, but it was with Tim Larkin and he was talking about target focus training and it's got the, the logo there and they're about using extreme violence, right? So a little yeah, yeah. TFT in a little circle there. And uh, he said he likes to be kind of innocuous and not, not kind of get into that as well. And he wants people to be, you know, be very unassuming or he wants to appear very unassuming. And he said that when he tells his instructors, like when they ask you like, what's that logo mean? He said, tell them, he goes, uh, tell them you're, you have a timeshare and ask them if they want a brochure. He goes, it's the quickest way to knock them off the trail. <laughs> That's awesome. I'm excited. You got to talk to Tim Larkin. I've read a couple of his books. I like his, I like his philosophy. I don't enjoy, uh, well, so I didn't enjoy some of his marketing for a while. It might've shifted, but like what I, the, the, the salesperson in me likes it, but the instructor in me doesn't. So when he went to the UK, wasn't allowed to enter the UK. I remember that. Yeah. And so he spun his marketing to the man too dangerous for the United Kingdom. And I'm like, the marketing guy me is like sick. But then he's <laughs> like, oh, come on. <laughs> right? Like, I don't know. But uh, nothing but great things to say about Tim's stuff. And he's helped a lot of people. But mm -hmm. I just find that interesting. He's also, he was at a time, and I think it's going away now. But that, what you had to do like 20 years ago, everybody had their black belt cover. Everybody had their like, right? And there's still a place for that. It just shouldn't be all the time. Mm. Uh, I, I find that a, a struggle too. Like I know it, it, and it hurts so much because I see like uh, some of the old, old style, like one those pages where it's like, uh, you know, it's like in those little bodybuilder magazines. We have the skinny yeah. guy walking down the beach and all the girls are like pointing and laughing. And there's that big muscle guy that kicks sand in his face. And all yeah. of a sudden he goes and he like lifts weights and he's bodybuilding magazine. 
and he comes back and he's ripping all the girls around him. And in the martial arts world, it's like learn how to kick ass, learn how to be like the five finger death punch, and you know, learn these right. five skills that Navy SEALs don't want you to know. And there's all that, <laughs> there's all that crazy marketing that I'm so badass in this. And it's uh, in a lot of cases, it's not honest. In a lot of cases, it's it's obviously uh, like very far fetched. But that's the kind of shit that, for some reason, guys buy because it taps oh, into no. that insecurity, you know. There's and so I have a debate show. So I like jumping on both sides of all these topics. Uh, and I like to look at things from as many angles as possible when I'm talking about them. Um, it, there's a reason it exists. It works. It works hundred percent of the time. Like people, not hundred, but people love it. They love, they want that. Right. And there is, there is still something to be said about like, I started martial arts because I wanted to be a power ranger. Right. Like there was something about like not being bullied and yeah. having the ability to, uh, to fight back. I was a very, 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 I make fun that I'm fat. Now I was a fat fucking kid, like huge, <laughs> uh, 300 pounds, 305 pounds. I graduated high school and that was about 2% muscle mass. There was nothing. It was just flubber. And, uh, go, and then, but that kind of, that kind of marketing is what got me into martial arts and what made, but toned me down to a 185 when I was in my twenties. Right. Like, so there is still, I think a necessity for it. And it's really hard to pick on the gateway access, right? Like people mm -hmm. like to pick on Taekwondo or people like to pick on karate or uh, I don't know, Kung Fu. But if Kung Fu was the gateway drug that got you to reality based self-defense or something more likely, or it was the thing you just wanted to do because you wanted some kind of movement practice. It's a, uh, hard to make fun. Like you said the same thing I did. You started in Taekwondo as well, right? Uh, yep, absolutely. Yeah. Taekwondo to Thai boxing to uh, Krav Maga is almost identically the same skill tree I took in my character development, right? Like I did almost the exact same thing. Uh, so while, yeah, maybe Taekwondo is not effective, there are a bajillion people doing it. And if it mm. wasn't for that feeder art, the, the stuff that we do wouldn't even exist, I don't think, outside of military law enforcement. I remember, uh, as you said, I, I went to, uh, I lived in Edmonton for a while. I was going to college there <clears throat> and, uh, on Jasper Avenue, there was an, you know what? I can't even remember the name of the place. It's been so long ago. It was like the blue Lotus lounge or some shit like that. Sure. But they had, they had live, jazz, live jazz on Friday nights and I'm a big jazz nerd. And I'd walk from my apartment, which was at, uh, where are we now? It was like 107th Avenue, 116th street. Yeah. And I'd walk to Jasper Ave and, and whatever cross street it was where the jazz club was. And on the way back, I would, I, and this was at the time I was like Taekwondo only. I was still fascinated with the martial arts, but I hadn't even been introduced to Krav Maga yet. I didn't know what right. the hell that was. So I was strictly Taekwondo. And I'd always have these like fantasies in my head of like guys jumping out at me when I had a hot coffee in my hand. I'm like, I just want that to happen one time so I could, you know, and it's, it's scary to, to go down. Well, it's scary to like actually study more and to learn more and to realize how little I knew. And the more I know, the less I realize I did know going to Rory's seminar. It's like, I thought I had a pretty good sense of things. And then you just realize, I mean, you're just fucking scratching the surface. It's, uh, it's, yeah. it's scary. It's scary. Yeah, violence is a scary thing. It is. And it's, it's the problem with violence is, is a, it's not a dragon. It's a hydra, right? There's so many different heads you can deal with at any certain point of time. And it's, it seems to be in my experience, at least, um, I don't know if you've had the same one, but to me, it's, I find the most dangerous people I've ever met seem to be the friendliest because <laughs> they're not trying because they know what could happen and they know that mm. anybody on any given day could have your number, right? Like you might be top of your game, slip, twist an ankle on some ice and then that's it, right? Whole fight dynamic has changed mm -hmm. consistently. Um, but that's why guys like uh, Chris McCaskill is the guy who brought Rory in in London. He brings me in as well. So that's why I know who he is. Chris awesome. is amazing. He's a karate guy. Uh, 
Weichi, Weichi karate. And we have a guy up here named Rick Wilson, phenomenal. I call him a dark wizard. His physical abilities are just sub supernatural. Like it's insane what he can do. He's 65 years old or 55. Maybe I made him too old. I don't know. Hopefully he doesn't hear the show. Uh, but <laughs> he's, he's younger at heart. <laughs> he's young at heart. And also like, so I have a partner here in the brick and mortar business named Thor is that's what we call him. He's a five foot eight Portuguese dude. He's shredded. He looks like he looks like Bruce Wayne if Bruce Wayne was in a compactor. Like he is just <laughs> shredded and Rick can out-wrestle him for some reason. And he's a karate guy. A karate guy should never ever be able to out-wrestle anybody, especially my guy who's a BJJ guy who also wrestles. So there's some dark wizardry there. But Chris is one of those people who comes from a traditional background, a feeder, mm-hmm. realize that, oh, this isn't, this isn't what I thought it was. And sometimes it is. Sometimes you just want to learn how to count to 20 in Japanese and swing some nunchucks. And there's nothing wrong with that, right? But if that isn't your goal, if your goal is like actually protecting yourself from whatever uh, imagined or real threat you have in your life, those systems are definitely more accessible. There's a karate school every 15 feet. There's only one KPC in Edmonton, right? Like, mm-hmm. so it's, I don't want to hate on them too much. And also I think, uh, I don't know if you saw, I put up a post. Um, and I, I like stirring the pot a lot. It's super fun for me um, because people can't, they get mad and they can't articulate and it's, it's just hilarious. But I put up a post, people pick on traditional martial arts a lot, but now traditional martial arts has a thick skin. They're like, mm-hmm. yeah, they don't like us. Kia, who gives a shit? Cash our check, right? <laughs> they don't care. So, but combatives guys, oh, mm-hmm. oh, oh, they're a little soft skinned oh, when yeah. they get, uh, when they get questioned. So I put up a meme about, it's a Rick and Morty meme and it's where he tears out a wall and I'm like, Combatives is not self-defense. And oh my God, way worse than any uh, karate like poke I put. And it's just a meme. It's six words. It's not ultimate truth. I'm not like the coming down with the tablets. I'm not Moses. <laughs> I made a funny meme, but the reaction was insane. And that proved my point that combatives is in self-defense because the amount of people that said, I'm going to fight you from that shows me they're not in a self-defense mindset because they're picking fights on the internet with a random stranger. It's not great. Uh, I've just had this conversation yesterday. Uh, Weird. Not not, not about that meme specifically, but just about uh, in the the combative self-defense industry. Well, I I lump them together. Okay, combative self-defense industry, like your crowd, Magaz, all those people wearing camo and BDUs, right? Yeah. Um, Such insecurity. Um, My (laughs) system this, my system that. I'm the badass this. A a lot of insecurity, and it's very cannibalistic. Like, there's a lot of shitting on everybody else. And, uh, you know, it's unfortunate because if you have some value to bring to an audience, like I'm not, I'm not, I mean, unless someone flies me out there, I'm not going to Edmonton right now. And there's people that need your message. You might not be in Toronto right now. There's people that need my message. Like there's enough yeah. people out there in the country and the planet that if we all just work together, we can actually provide that information. Like what's it about? Yeah. Yes. We run businesses. Yes. We need to make money, but why do you need to be the baddest of the bad and the best of the best? Like why can't you just provide value information to the people that are coming to you because they need it. And if you just, yeah take that energy and effort and attention and put it towards getting your message out there rather than shitting on the other people. We accomplish a lot more. Oh, I can like, I can't even imagine. I, uh, like I said, I mentioned, I know I'm not everybody's cup of tea and I've dogs where they don't enjoy me, uh, which is fine because that's not my market. I don't care. I'm not working with them. Um, some of the people like, Sometimes somebody speaks, I roll my eyes so hard I can see a memory. Like, it's just, oh my God, I can't believe you just said that. Or they'll start spewing off some, they'll start using memes. Like, one of my biggest pieces of advice is don't get your legal advice from a meme. That should be simple. I don't know why I have to say this, but somebody's like, but I read on a meme, it's better to be judged by 12 and carried by six. Like, 
Cool. There's a whole bunch more to that saying, uh, but that soundbite that you're working off of, it doesn't track by itself. So mm -hmm. I think that people, in my experience, they don't, the insecurity comes from not knowing the purpose of why they're trading, right? So if your training doesn't have a goal or a deadline or a metric, it's very hard for you to be happy with your training. So if you're training to become the, if you're training to become as deadly as possible, that's an impossible goal because that will never end. And while that's a good idea for martial training, that's not a great idea for self-defense. If you're learning, if you are, so I'm worried I'm uh, taking my daughter to soccer games. There's a creepy guy in the alley or the parking lot, or there's a weird coach. And I'm worried about that. That's a metric. You can be like, okay, so I want to learn this, 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 and this. But the problem with the people who, uh, who seem insecure is that they're trying to be everything to everybody, mm -hmm. right? I am not a shooting coach. I have been lucky enough to train with the Ramsey County SWAT team multiple times to shoot. I can shoot. I am not a shooting coach. If you ask me a shooting question, I'll be like, uh, like, I don't know. I own a gun. That doesn't mean I, I own a car. I'm not a driving instructor. Right. But the people who are like trying to become deadly for everything, mm. they, they think they have an answer for this because that's the personality they put up and they don't know what lane is best for them. I think if, if we all just pick the thing we like to do the best and we can make a living at it, I think that would be the best way to make this art better, right? Like I'm a generalist for civilians. I don't need to go talk to police officers and I have and whatever on the back of officers I've trained, but I actually right now, I refuse if any agency that uh, a law enforcement or military agency offers to hire me, I don't do it. I just, I feel disingenuous. I've never been in the field. I'm sure there's some knowledge I could give them, but like you said, there's also another guy with equal knowledge plus who did the job mm. probably is going to be better, right? I already have, and I already have my brag, so it's easy <laughs> for me to say that. I already have like the the plaques and the I did this, but going forward, I don't enjoy working with them because one, who the f am I to tell them how to do a job I've never done? Mm. Uh, two, my parameters and goals are much different than theirs, and so it's hard. It's very hard for me when I see somebody in a field who didn't do the job teaching that field. You, you just hit on a topic that I think is very important. I just want to camp here for a second because sure. I've been thinking that for a while too. And this was, uh, I don't know if you're aware of the, the Gray Man Conference we had in October. I uh, heard about it. So uh, Ace Johnson. Ace Johnson's a friend that's of mine. Right. Way back. Oh, awesome. Yeah, so <laughs> like you said, a lot of self-defense guys want to be all things to all people. Like I'm a shooting guy and the guy, I have the knife and I have all the answers here. And they think that somehow if you don't know your way around a gun, like if you're fucking pointing it backwards, that like you, you can't teach self-defense, but you can be an expert in your field, an expert in your niche, or you can be good at your niche or, or just not even an expert. You can just focus on what you do and, and yeah. kind of stay in your lane. People here stay in your lane. They find it negative. Right. Staying in your lane is not negative. Staying in your lane is focusing on what you're good at. Yeah, sure you can shore up what you're good at. Like if I'm running a business, I suck at admin work. I suck at taxes. I suck at that. So I hand that off because I don't want to worry about that. I can't do that shit right. very well. And uh, you know, why wouldn't I do the same with shooting? Why wouldn't I do the same with knives? Like why wouldn't I do the same with all that other stuff? Why do I have to all of a sudden be an expert in all those things? And that was kind of the concept of gray man with is, is find people <clears throat> that are great in their respective fields and mm. bring them together. So together as a community, we can provide the entire skill set for like well-rounded personal security and safety and self-defense. Yeah. And it doesn't have to just be one guy doing it all. Like I, I don't, I never understood that, but a lot of people do think that. Yeah. Well, and I, I agree. Like, so I'm very lucky. I get to work in a team. We have a sniper who's on that team and we have a psychologist who's on that team. So yeah, I spout, pop psychology to uh, back up stuff, but it's from 
her who's a clinical psychologist, right? Mm -hmm. So it's an interesting uh, thing. I think if people could do that more, they would get better. Like there's only, you only have so much training time. You only have so much research time, right? There's only so much you could do in a day. And you could be like, well, I can research 24 hours a day. No, you can't. Not forever, right? So wouldn't it be better instead of kind of being a jack of all, master of none, wouldn't it be really good to dedicate your time to mm -hmm. one situation, right? Like, so for me, my goal is I want to be the gateway drug to combatives and supplements. Mm. Like I want to come base level. Here's the base information you got. Oh, you want to learn this here? You go here. Oh, you want this? You go here. And our gym was like that for a long time. People would come in. We were so generalist and like self-defense triage first aid type stuff right, right, right. that they're like, oh, I want more of this. I'm like, okay, if you want more, like I can show you, but this guy, this guy's better. Why wouldn't you go there? And that network, I think, benefits everybody. But unfortunately, this because there's no internationally governing, bo <clears throat> governing body for this and because cult of personality is very easy in this mm. field, uh, it's going to be very hard for a lot of like-minded people to do that. I'm seeing it happen, right? So like you mentioned, Gray Man Conference, Violence Dynamics, uh, hard, hard Ready with Ryan Hoover and Hugs. Mm -hmm. like everybody's starting to kind of get there, at least the good people, but they're still going to be there's still going to be that person who's like 18 black belts on their wall bullshit. And unfortunately people are going to buy that because there's no governing body. Um, and because if they got better SEO results than you, they're going to, you're going to, they're going to find them first. Right. Yeah. Man. Like, uh, like that's absolutely right. Like, uh, just, just kind of focusing on what you're good at. Like what? Yeah. People think that they need to be the best at everything and take care of everything and, and kind of answer all those questions and all those and solve every single problem out there to be the guy that people go to. But, if you just said, I don't know anything about all those problems, but here's this one small little subsection of things yeah. that I know and I'm, I, and I'm really good at that, yeah, you're going to do way better that way because you're going to be known as the guy for that. Yes. Yeah, like general preparation, GPP for me is kind of like that's my, that's my uh, metric. Also, I'm a pretty – I think I'm a pretty approachable guy. Like I'm friendly and whatever. So if you're like nervous and you're like, oh, I don't know if I want to take this, and you see me like, hey, here's a joke. They're like, okay, from him I can learn. Then you could go to your face tattooed whatever <laughs> level you want to go to. It's the Gary V philosophy, right? I don't know if you're aware of Gary V. I'm sure Huge fan. Huge fan. Okay. Gary V says triple down on your strengths, right? That's what he says it all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Gary V says eight things pretty much. Eight things in different ways and different mediums all the time. But one of the big ones is, triple down on your strengths. Just like you mentioned, you didn't go take a bookkeeping course. You hate it. You give away bookkeeping. Same thing for self-defense. I, I do groundwork because I know as a martial artist, I need to do groundwork. Mm. I will teach some simple, 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 like very basic stuff, but anything further than that, I'm not going to give you answers on because I hate doing it. I only do it because I know I need to. Um, and it's not something I enjoy, but I do enjoy like the conversations, the basics, the counter ambush, that kind of stuff, right? And so once you do that, once you just do your passion, you can get so good at it. You can have, you can, you actually seem more intelligent overall if you're really good at one area than mm. if you just kind of know a little bit about everything else. You're like maybe misquoting it. You're like, yeah, you know, Hork's law. You mean, don't you mean Hicks? <laughs> no, no, Hork's, Hork, pretty sure it's Hork's, right? Like, <laughs> no, like if you knew it, you know, and if you don't, you don't, right? <laughs> Uh, so a lot of, uh, we're talking right now about combatives guys and instructors and self-defense and kind of, and picking your niche. And this is really good because a lot of the listeners or the people that I find that follow on Instagram, YouTube, whatever the case are people that do our self-defense instructors in their yeah. various respective, whatever's uh, respective groups. So what I'd like to do to provide a little bit of value is, uh, is, uh, some kind of tips for them on marketing and business. Like I know you have 
like half a dozen podcasts going. You're part of a, a crew like Vinyl Dynamics crew that that collaboration yep. uh, effort, and you got a bunch of stuff going. On, and you said you have a gym there in Edmonton. So, uh, what are some of the things you have going on? How do you kind of uh, how do you work that? How do you fit that in your schedule? And kind of what are some of your strategies for for uh, running that the business? Sure. That great. So first off, I guess I was didn't want to talk about this, but has right beside me. I actually wrote a book on this <laughs> called "Selling Out to Your Level of Comfort" uh, right go. here. If you want to grab it on Amazon, um, awesome. and it's just. It's just kind of the way that I ran business. So background, background, like, so we asked Marshall background, but business background, I was in advertising before I got into this. Okay. So I know it's shocking to your listeners, but I was in sales. <laughs> up. Um, and I had that kind of business intuition. So it kind of gave me a leg up on a lot of people, right? So the joke that I made when I first wrote the book, I don't really promote it anymore. It just happened to be beside me. We have to talk about it. Uh, is there's no reason that chubby Canadian should be as famous as I am. I must know something about marketing, right? There's, there's just no, there's no other reason. I was never a UFC champ. I've never served on a military law enforcement. I wasn't special forces. I wasn't a jail guard. I was just a bouncer. And there's bouncer is like base class build for self-defense instructor. Everybody's been a bouncer for at least a little bit. So <laughs> it's so prevalent. So for mm. me, um, the, the business side of things always interest me. So like testing, metrics checking. So I guess I have multiple irons in the fire. So I have the Violence Dynamics group that I work with. I have the Randy King Live international stuff. I have KPC Self-Defense here in Edmonton, which is our local gym. Um, and then I have all of the online stuff. So the best advice I can give anybody is obviously learning time management and having a plan and then sticking to that plan. So you need to know a little bit about a lot when it comes to business. You don't need to know a ton, but the general rule I like to give is know enough that you can't get effed over by somebody you hire, right? Mm. So if you don't know anything about accounting, and this happened to me, if you don't know anything about accounting, your accounting, your accountant can F you over. So if you have no idea what the numbers mean, you're going to be in trouble. So mm. like any good self-defense strategy, know enough about each range of combat so you don't get hooped in your business. Know enough about how a website should look, what accounting looks like, what you're like, just know enough that you can't get taken advantage of because it's very embarrassing as a self-defense coach to get taken advantage of by an accountant nerd. It's very frustrating. Um, so I think when running the business and it's the same thing I just kind of said is the best thing you can do is know your niche because if you know your niche, if you know the demographic and you could either try to pick a demographic or if you've been doing this for a while, you can go back through and see who responds to you best, right? Yeah. So for me, uh, for us here in Edmonton, our client base at KPC is 45% female, 55% male. Uh, white collar, 24 to 45 is our demographic. So that's what I learn about. That's what I advertise to. That's what I do. But I have the existing data. You can also find your own uh, niche. Also, like especially now, and we talk about the kind of tough guy mentality and stuff, if you could just be authentically you to the best of your ability, that's going to, to land a lot better. So the investigator told me that everybody that talks like me sounds like a liar. I didn't change the way that I talked, right? right. This is just who I am. Um, and it's off putting to some people. In fact, if we can go back to Rory, one of my favorite backhanded compliments Rory gives, cause Rory only gives backhanded compliments, <laughs> uh, at least to me, maybe people, he's nice to other people, but to me, and he said his exact quote to me was, you're the only person with your personality that I like. And I was like, thank you. <laughs> so thank you. And I helped him make more money and do better. Um, so know enough about your business is so you'll get messed up. Pick your niche and demographic and you can work it easier. It's easier to research just a segment than it is the whole planet. 
be you, do the things you like to do. Cause the worst, one of the hardest things in this field is taking your passion and making it your job because mm. this used to be the thing you escaped to from your crappy life. And guess what? Being an international touring self-defense instructor sounds great, but it's not great at tax time. And mm. it's not great at learning the new Google pixel update to get your backtracking for your company or cleaning the floors or all the other stuff. Right? So every job has parts you don't like right. that's going to happen. Every single person has done kind of what I've done, which is when I started the gym, I was in very good shape. And I'm like, well, I own a gym. I'm going to be the best shape ever. And then accounting and taxes and promoting and not teaching all of a sudden what's happening to my body because it's not just the fun parts. And the most frustrating part, I have an employee. He does the fun parts. He just teaches. And I'm <laughs> accounting and payroll and blah. Like, what is that? I want his job. This is what I did this for. Uh, does that answer your question? I kind of went on a rant there. Yeah, you, you remind me of uh, people that have a pool. Like I, everyone says, like, oh, if I had a pool, I'd be in it every day. But you know what happens yeah. when people have pools? <laughs> it stays yeah. empty the whole summer. <laughs> exactly. And like, I can't stress enough. If you can, if you can keep this as a side hustle, it, it might be better for some people. Mm, every single, every single person who's like, so if you look at Rory Miller, if you look at Hawk Hawkheim, if you look at, um, actually, Blower's the exception, not Blower. But if you look at, uh, Hoover, all the big names, they all have a second income slash a pension they're drawing from, mm. right? So they can price themselves pretty low in the market uh, and then be able to go forward. Like people like Tim Larkin, Tony Blauer, that's their full-time job. But that's few and far between. And honestly, another thing I want you to do so you don't keep up with the Joneses is a lot of martial arts gyms you see that are like mint, uh, usually the partner of the martial arts instructor is goddamn loaded like yeah. they're dentists or lawyers or doctors or whatever like every time i go to a great gym i'm like man i wish my gym looked like this then i meet the person's partner i'm like oh what do you do oh i'm a senator like ah there we go right like yeah. this is no so you're not wrong you're 100 yeah. percent correct yeah absolutely yeah um yeah sure brain, brain just went a little vacation there but you're <laughs> you are you're 100 correct um Correct on that. I, I, I get the I get the good fortune of being employed to kind of in the security industry, right? Yeah. And uh, and drawing income from there. So again, it's not it's not my full time thing. I the goal, the dream. I'm sure for all of us, right? The dream yeah. is to transition to the point where you can do that solely. But then again, it comes with these challenges, right? There was right. Um, there was a book I read a while ago. It's called Seven Years to Seven Figures. It's by a guy named Michael Masterson, <clears throat> and uh, he said that. They had eight, eight, uh, eight case studies, mm. and he said uh, that none of these, if you do these things, like, it's not going to guarantee you're going to be a millionaire, but he says these eight people each did these three things. These are the three things they have in common, so here's the pattern, and we all got to over a million dollars in uh, seven years doing these three things, so maybe it'll work for you. Right. And the one thing was at your, at your full-time gig, at your main thing is you know, you put in more hours, you do things, you're going to get you a raise, like just increase your income in your full-time capacity, whatever you can do. Yep. Get that side hustle going yep. on the side. Uh, so you get the secondary income. The idea is also to get uh, passive income. So, you know, mm -hmm. stuff that you can do that gets you money while you sleep. And then once you get enough of a nest egg built up, invest in real estate. And those were kind of the three things that, that, that they all did that got them, uh, that got them to, to rich. And it was never leave your full-time job. It was keep that full-time job put in more hours at a full-time job, also do the side hustle, yeah. also get some passive income going, and then take what you get from all that and put that into real estate. So it, yeah. you know, if people have dreams of making it large as, as, a, as an entrepreneur, you know, it's, it's a longer road than many think. 
it's it's a marathon, not a sprint. No matter what Trump is trying to sell you on the YouTube ad you see about Ty Lopez and his car, he probably ran. Into <laughs> it's so ridiculous, and I think that people forget. Like, so this is my full time job. This is what full time. I run the gym. I do podcasts. So everybody's like, Randy, how do you do so much? I'm like, well, this is a 40 to 80 hour a week job for me. Mm-hmm. Like if you have a side hustle, don't start three podcasts. That's stupid, right? Like <laughs> but for me, I need to get as many people as possible. And it, I've gone through, I've been like, I've been doing this a long time ish long, as long as I've done anything consistently. And I've gone through the ebb and flow of like, I love it. And I've also gone to the point of like, I'm keeping the lights on, but do not ask me a martial arts question or I'll stab you. Cause I'm so sick of talking. About <laughs> it, right? Like, and it's, it's just, it's human nature. Like no matter how good it gets, there's always bad parts. Right. And I try to stay humble with that in my head. Like I remember one day I was flying to Scotland to teach a seminar and Scotland's my favorite place in the, on the planet. And uh, so I'm going back there and there was like a delay on the plane. I'm like, Oh, what the fuck? Cause I like, plan my meal that I could eat at the Toronto airport. Cause I always got to go to Toronto to get to through Pearson to get wherever I'm going. Cause Edmonton's yeah. nowhere. And, uh, <laughs> and so I'm flying I'm like, Oh, this so I missed the lunch and whatever. So I'm, and I could easily miss a meal, but I'm grumpy about it. And I'm on the plane. And then I had to remind myself like, dude, you're getting paid to go to Scotland. Shut the fuck up. Like, Oh, you missed the, you missed your lunch, you big baby. There's somebody in a coal mine right now, like swinging a freaking pickaxe and you get to go get wined and dined in your favorite place in the world because of what you do. So mm. keep that in your head. But like, honestly, there are definitely some days I will not lie that I wish, I wish this was a passion project as it still mm. is, but I wish it was the passion project and it wasn't what I did all the time. Mm. Yeah, it can be tired because I mean you have to you have to work hard all the yeah. time. You can't yeah. just you can't just like shut it off for a minute and like let other people worry about it. It's like yeah. you gotta always worry about it. So it becomes right. a yeah, it can be a thing. Um, well, it's it's insane, and especially if you're like the model that I use is uh, super accessible, and I am super accessible. Please message me. This is not me bitching about that, but I'm always on my phone because I'm talking to people, etc., and trying to build relationships to find that new contract, like any other sales job out there, right? It's just it's in the field that I enjoy doing, but it doesn't make it not a job. And I think that's what people think is, you know, I'm going to own this gym. It's going to be sweet. I'm not going to have to work. Nope. Guess what? You're starting a YouTube channel. Oh, you don't like being on camera too bad. You like eating. So <laughs> we're going to be on camera now. Like, it's just simple as that. Uh, as we, as we talked about, there's a lot of people that are watching this set uh, do kind of what we do in the sense of having a self-defense uh, business or martial arts school or whatnot. So Especially now that we're all under COVID, we're all kind of stuck at home. I, I, I recommended the other day on the podcast that one of the things people could do is start a podcast. Yeah. Because yeah. essentially you need either a computer or a phone. Well, to record it, at least on Zoom, you need a computer, but you can do it from your phone. Yeah. Uh, you can do an audio just from your phone, like using Anchor. Yep. Long story short, there's a shit ton of free apps and things you can do. And with a small investment in maybe lighting or like a pair of headphones or a mic for 50 bucks on Amazon, you can, you can get a lot of production value for not a lot of money. So, oh, yeah. In terms of doing podcasts, yeah, because you do you what you said three of them, four of them you have now. So I did one called Talking to Savages for three years. We had a hundred episodes uh, with a partner of mine, former client and MMA fighter here in Edmonton. And then I started the debate podcast because I was sick of internet debates. And then my ADD kicked in, and I wanted to do interview shows again. So I started interview one. I just had Richard Dimitri on today. Nice. Um, and then I also have a what the one you're on, which is coming out. So the funny story one, right? So yeah, I do three right now, all on the same channel. But go ahead. Okay. No, I was just going to say, what what uh, what advice or what tips, tricks, strategies can you give in terms of podcast to people uh, to kind of get to get their message to get their business out there? So. 
podcasts are definitely one of the most accessible ways to get yourself out there. When I first went to Germany for my first time there, a guy from my podcast hired me from the podcast to teach. Uh, and my stupid opening is always, what's up, internets? And then I say whatever. And he had a, he's yelled at the top of his lungs, what's up, internets, in this crazy German accent. I'm like, oh, that was my <laughs> guy, right? So, so it, it definitely gives you access to um, a lot of new people. But I think the really cool thing is how you mentioned you talked to Tim Larkin. The really cool thing about the podcast for me is just the amount of research you can get because everybody's in the same boat mm. trying to get their name out there. So everybody will, people you don't think will do your podcast will definitely do your podcast, right? Like you can reach out to people who you think are way above your pay grade. They're willing to come on your podcast mm. and because you're giving them value, right? Like if you emailed, I don't know, some big name in the field, pick X, pick dealer's choice, whatever big name you want in the field. If you emailed them like, Hey, I'd like to talk to you. They'd be like, okay. Right. Or, Hey, do you have any tips? Okay. But if you're like, Hey, I have a podcast they're in. They barely even ask how many people listen. They're just like, right. okay, right? Because maybe it's going to get big and then you get access, unfettered access to exceptionally good people and you can ask questions like this for the podcast. But I would say the tips for it, for me personally, is having a structure is important and the mm. only reason why is not every guest is yappy like I am, right? So unless you're a strong host, if you consider yourself introverted, the more introverted you are, the more structure you should have in your podcast in case you hit those lulls and you have another introvert on the show. Right. Because um, it's about it being exciting for the listener, right? They want you to tune in all the time. So unfortunately, the reason Talking to Savages got so big was me and my friend were hammered on the show talking <laughs> about world-class martial artists, right? I don't know so, what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> That's my next step. I can, but yeah, so like we were just drunk and like talking to like, huge names in the industry are like, hey, so you're from this place. You people like you. And they're like, okay. And people <laughs> love that, that back and forth, right? And that's the other thing too is the authenticity of it. Like you need to be you mm. in the show. Like you have to don't pretend to be somebody else. Don't imitate Joe Rogan. Don't, don't be TJ. Just be you in when you're doing this because people are going to buy into your personality. Right. And everybody, I say in the book, but it's, it's important to know is, like we talked about, being a jack of all trades isn't good. You don't want to be just a fisherman because a fisherman catches stuff they can't use. You yeah. want to be a tuna fisherman. You want to know exactly what you're looking for. So if you're putting yourself out there, the people that you – because everybody, you might have one hardcore fan or you might get a 1,000, but you're going to get at least one. But that hardcore fan will buy everything from you going forward right. as long as you don't sell out or change your personality try and be more famous, right? So it's a – a, it's an interesting place to go. I'm just a very social talky person. So podcasting just made sense for me. Mm. If you're looking at starting one, there's a ton of options out there on how to do it. Like TJ said, um, but I think they're invaluable. And even if you get 10 listeners, but you get to talk to people that charge $600 an hour for consult consults and you get to talk, it's worth it just mm. right there in the wash. Right. Yeah, and not only providing value to your listeners, but I get to learn yeah. a lot too on these things, right? Like, exactly. Uh, I get to pick your brain on podcasts. Here we are on a podcast. Like the other day when I was talking to Tim, he uh, he did this crazy thing where he showed me a virtual background. I'm like, holy fuck, I didn't even know that that uh, Zoom allowed virtual backgrounds. So now it's like, if I get a green screen to put behind me, I can get like whatever image behind there and then you're not going to be staring at my ugly ass garage wall. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's, who knew? I found that out on a presentation I was doing. Somebody had like, Thanos in the back. I'm like, what the fuck is that? Like, oh yeah, you could do this. I'm like, yeah, I had no idea. Yeah, absolutely, man. Uh, 
uh, I went to Ireland uh, teaching in 2012 and cool. uh, was staying with a dude there who uh, he did a lot of this and just it was just a lot of information coming out. It was information overload for me. And I was, at the time, I was like, my brain is too saturated. I can't even absorb anymore. And it took a long time for a lot of that information to kind of sink in and, and have effect. But it took root. Uh, one of the things he said to me about this industry was that it is largely personality driven. And you mm-hmm. talk about the cult of personality and stuff like that. Yep. So um, I, I can I can absolutely I can absolutely uh, absolutely see that. So um, it kind of has to. Sorry, it, it's okay, my sorry. Let's interrupt you on your own show. Fuck you, TJ. It's, it's I'm the guest. Uh, so it's of, of, of course it's personality driven. It has to be because we're all saying the same goddamn thing, no. right? We're all giving the same. If you're doing this well, we're all giving the same information. Mm. So if everybody's giving the same info, like if every doctor is a good doctor, you go with a doctor you like, right? So it kind of has to be personality driven. But here's the cool thing: is what you think is attractive in a personality somebody else can't stand. So right. there's still enough room for all of us. And I use this all the time. Uh, like I am probably not going to get hired by a church to teach self-defense. It's just right. probably not going to happen. Just honestly, just from rhetoric and how I speak and I curse and I'm just right. But if I can teach somebody who could put up with me, but who also is pliable to a church, they have a whole market I can't even access. So I need people to understand that this isn't a zero sum game. There isn't a limited number of clients. You don't need to poach and steal. If people like you, they'll buy you. If they don't, they won't. That's how all businesses work since the beginning of time. It's all based on trust. A great way to build trust looping back is to do a podcast so people mm. can get to know you for free with no bar for entry. And they're like, oh, I actually like this person. Maybe I'll go on their Patreon. Maybe I'll do their blah, right? And you can start putting them into your business ecosystem and they can start consuming wherever they wish to consume. So a podcast is a great way to introduce yourself to the world and then find what works. You're, you just reminded me of a funny story, a little awkward moment cool. I had. <clears throat> you said, no church is going to hire you. Like When I went to Edmonton, I was there for Bible college back in the strange days, I call it, because right. I'm more on the atheist side now. But uh, I, it was in 2004 or five. I want to say, uh, I was hired to do a self-defense session for a, like a young adults, uh, actually a women-specific young adult group at a church. Right. And they, had a, they had a speaker on before me, like a really well-respected speaker in a group, you know, and I was just sitting in the back waiting for my turn to go up and do the self-defense stuff. And uh, she was saying, like, you know, God will protect you. Just trust God. He is your shield. He is your protector. And then uh, I had to go up after that and be like, uh, yeah, what she said, except that's – it was almost like, why, why are we doing self-defense now? Because God's right. going to protect you. So I'm like, he's going to protect you, but, uh, but he's not. <laughs> you he's going to protect you, but he might test you, and it'll hurt yeah, less uh, if you have to do this. <laughs> that's where you got to kind of take the God helps us who helps himself approach. God is going to protect you through learning these skills. <laughs> but that uh, made it really awkward. <laughs> there's, there's, no, there's no better flim-flam marketing than uh, religious zealots flipping things. I'm not saying religion in general, but religious <laughs> zealots flipping things. Like, oh, why'd that happen? Oh, God works mysterious ways. Oh, something good happened. Yeah, God has your back. He didn't have my back yesterday. He was mysterious yesterday. He was Don't worry about it. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. Man. Um, so you, you talked about, and uh, I'd like to talk about this. I've been lucky so far. Sometimes my brain does, like I said, go on a vacation mm-hmm. where I just kind of, it drops everything. And I'm like, uh, where was I going with that? And that's why I don't do things live. <laughs> I can cut out some of those silences, but sure. you said kind of the more introverted you are, yeah. uh, the, the more structures you need in place to kind of carry things along to keep things interesting for your listeners. So uh, you have several different podcasts and you have several different themes for those. Can you kind of touch on that and touch on the different structures that you employ? 
Yeah, for sure I can. So uh, I definitely learned this through because you bring on people like, and you got to diversify eventually. Like the, the cool thing is if you're only looking for like the medium, like me, two big names in the industry, they're usually pretty outgoing and or they have their rhetoric so polished it's easy. So they're just gonna they're just gonna lead the conversation. Um, so I have three basic formats for my shows uh, because I think there was a need for all of them. And here's the problem with the podcast is you kind of need to stand out a little bit too, right? Like, so uh, Randy King Live With is just an interview show just like this. Um, the Devil's Advocate for Self-Defense is a debate-based podcast where we take a topic uh, and TJ's going to be on the show eventually. I just didn't send him a topic the first time we recorded. Uh, so there is a topic that we decide on ahead of time. And the goal is to have civil discourse about the topic without your personal opinions being involved. And then all of my shows have a paid component because free, if you just do free things, you'll never get paid. So all your free should lead to something. Uh, and not as a trick because the people that don't want to pay you won't pay you. But mm -hmm. the people that do want to give you money need a place to give you that money. Right? right. So you need to give, you need to, and that's why I say ecosystem. You need to allow as big of a fish to feed on whatever content you have out there. So you need multiple levels and scales, et cetera. So, uh, so there's the debate, the debate during the free show is 20 minutes and we just debate the topic, not our feelings or emotions on it. And then we do the final thoughts where we actually talk about our actual feelings. Right. That show is not really, it's great. But if you don't understand the premise, I come across kind of douchey a lot of times because I try <laughs> always take the devil's advocate side, right? right, right. So in order to get guests because nobody wants to look bad on the internet except for me, I don't care. But uh, when they come on the show, they get to pick everything and I take the other side. So sometimes I got to say things I would never say, but it may think about things a different way, which is really cool. And it's improved my ability to articulate points, especially because the debate show has rules. Mm. And one of the rules is there's 15 logic fallacies you can't use. And it's a fun little back and forth, taking Roy Miller's book, there's some con-com. And the last one I have is, was mostly just developed for my own mental health during this COVID situation because my entire business plan got just smashed, right? I used to do 30 seminars a year and now I do none for the foreseeable future, right? And hopefully right. it goes back to I'm sure it will. But in the early days, it didn't seem like normal was going to be a thing. So I didn't feel like debating on the internet. So I came with a show called the WTF or what the fuck was I thinking podcast where we tell stories about making bad choices under stress mm. and it's really fun. And I think it's valuable because like we talked about before people trying to be like this ultimate ninja, everybody who's used force has had a bad situation. Sometimes it's not your day and you can make no mistakes and still lose. And I know it's hard for people to understand, right? Like you could have perfect situational awareness and you might get selected because you're wearing, you have the haircut of the person who they hate and they're going to take it out on you, right? You made no mistakes there. You made none, but you could still lose making no mistakes. It happens. So with this, with the WTF podcast, that's kind of showing that, this is way more common than people want to talk about. Most of what I'm trying to do is destroy the, the false tough guy narrative that exists in the industry um, and show that people are human. And even a high level of training, you still might mess up. And that's why there's so many different systems and so many different models and plans because what works for one won't work for another. And also all plans work until first contact, right? So WTF is a fun show where we just chat about, uh, like TJ told the great story, it's coming out this week or whatever. I get, I don't know when this week is for this show, but it's coming out in real time right now, <laughs> upcoming week. And he tells a great story where he comes into a fight with projectiles and numbers and is like, what is happening, right? So it's uh, interesting to dissect. And the coolest thing about it is we're hitting violence with three points. So we're hearing the, the big names talk about their theories and, and models.
we're having debates about hot topics in the industry and we're telling real life stories about what violence looks like. So yeah. you're getting through all three shows. That's why it's on one channel, the Randy King Live podcast channel. You're getting a pretty good look at at least three heads of that Hydra of violence exists. Awesome. Um, you said also you have a YouTube channel. Is that podcast related or is that entirely separate? I have an everything. So I have a podcast <laughs> channel or a YouTube channel. So the YouTube channel does have the video podcasts, but also I put up videos on there. So like I just put up a video about the freeze. So I have a freeze model that's kind of unique to um, the industry. It's newer. I got some research from a Harvard, Harvard psychology professor who specializes in sexual assault. We had a two hour conversation and it kind of exposed some glitches in the existing freeze models. When we talk about like mental freezes and repetitive action freezes and those sort of things. So like I have a, a seven minute video up on that talking just about that model. Cause again, I focus on the soft skill stuff. So right, right, right. YouTube channel has the podcasts, but it has old technique videos. It has Randy's rants, which is what I started with. I'm very opinionated. Um, it has, you don't say <laughs> yeah, what? No. Uh, it has, uh, it has all sorts of instructional video on there and there's always more coming out all the time. You know, if, uh, I get the sense from you, Randy, uh, that if you didn't get, if you didn't choose a occupation of self-defense instructor, you'd be excellent as a stand-up comic. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. Actually, I have, I'm obsessed with stand-up comedy and honestly, if I uh, could do something else, I think it would be that. I love it. Who are some of the comedians are like listening to? Oh, pop. oh so, such a deep. So uh, I'm, I'm a huge Bill Burr fan. I love Bill Burr. Everything <laughs> yeah. he does. Um, I like Tom Segura. I don't like the rest of the Joe Rogan crew, though, mm -hmm. so much. I'm a huge fan of local comedians. In fact, the first like four episodes of WTF are all local comedians. Um, I love actually Ari Shafir. So good. Oh, my God. I love him. Uh, and also like Mark Marin, I really like Mark Marin, and but in a certain mood, right? Like I got to be like in that kind of curmudgeon-y old, like yeah, the world <laughs> does suck. Things used to be cool. Um, but any any stand-up comedians, I love them all. If it comes out on Netflix or Crave, I'm on it as fast as possible. I'm uh, definitely with you on Bill Burr. Uh, regardless of uh, recent happenings, I'm a huge fan of Louis C.K. And he actually has, oh, a, yeah. special, he has a special out now. And uh, of course, as you do coming back from that, he uh, kind of the first thing he does is talk about that, which is great to kind of take takes on Goliath there. Um, I, I know uh, you're not a huge fan of the, of the, of the uh, Rogan crew, but um, Chris D'Elia, I just love Chris D'Elia. Is he part of the Rogan crew? Because if he is, I like Chris D'Elia. Chris D'Elia, <clears throat> he's okay, but he's like, a lot of his comedy is just like sounds and stances. It's not like... That's like that um, Sebastian Mancuso, is he? Or whatever, yes, he's comic? pretty funny. He's very kind of like physical comedy and yeah. Yeah, all the, you know, just Have kind you of the way he does it. Have you seen Jack Astor? Do you know who he is? The British no. comedian? No. Oh my God. So this is your homework, TJ. Okay. <laughs> this is your homework. We're going to look up, I believe it's Jack. His name is Jack Astor. He's a British comedian. He has okay. a four piece Netflix special. Okay. And he's just amazingly dry witted comedy. I think I, you might enjoy it. If you like Bill Burr, it's like, he's like a nerdy geeky English guy, but he's okay. always like, it's pretty good. It's very hilarious. Uh, one guy I'll give to you, and you may already be aware of him, but uh, Andrew Schultz. I've heard of him. I don't think I've seen him. Uh, he just started coming up in my YouTube suggested videos, and I started checking it out, and I was like, this guy's pretty funny. <laughs> so, <laughs> Andrew, so check out Andrew Schultz, S-C-H-U-L-Z. -S that's awesome. Well, are we, we say Z or Z in Canada. I can never remember. I say Z. I think if Z. we say Z, everybody else says Z. And that's why yeah. that's like the Trevor, no Trevor Noah bit, right? Where he's like, uh, you call it zebra, we call it zebra. We get to call it zebra because we 
have them, you don't. They're called zebras. I'm like, that's actually a fair point. The people that have them where they live should probably get to decide what they're called. <laughs> so, Randy, so you got uh, you have like a million and one podcast. You have a YouTube channel. You have a gym. You have all this stuff. So, I want to get a hold of you. I want to train with you. I want to see yeah. what you're all about uh, as, after this podcast. Where where do I where do I find you? So I'm obsessed with my name. I'm actually not, but the marketing group I work with maybe that way. <laughs> uh, so Randy King Live Everything Will Work or KPC Self-Defense. KPC, not the chicken company. K, okay. P as in Peter, C, uh, Self-Defense. But honestly, if you type in Randy King Live, uh, you're going to find me. I'm just annoyingly famous enough that you can find me very quickly on YouTube. Uh, but all of my stuff, sorry, on Google, all of my stuff is there. So feel free to reach out on Randy King Live. Important question. What does KPC stand for? Great question. So it's changed multiple times, uh, but it, stand, it stands for officially now because we have multiple, right? We have the one here. We have one in Halifax. Okay. Um, it stands for Kings. So Randy Kings, progressive combatives. Cool. Awesome. Yeah. Randy, I just want to thank you. I know you got stuff to do. I just want to thank you for taking the time uh, to come out and chat Anytime. with the audience and hang out and have a conversation. And uh, looking forward to, uh, to talk to you again on your debate podcast and, and whatever other avenues you have, whatever platforms you have. And uh, it's, it's been an honor. Thank you so much. Sounds great. Thanks for having me, TJ. What a great name for a podcast. I wish I would have thought of myself. <laughs> so good. <laughs> I'll talk to you. Have a great one. Yeah, bye. Bye-bye.